Please welcome back to Summit Park from Red Rocks Church in Austin, Texas, Doug Weckenman. Hey, make some noise if you love Jesus really quick. Let's give a shout of praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You got more than that. If your voice doesn't hurt tomorrow, you're not doing it right today. I love it. I love the energy. Can you guys help me one more time, make some noise and welcome everybody at our Southside campus and everybody watching this online. My goodness, do we love you. Welcome home, welcome to church. Are you happy to be alive? You happy to be in the room? So I feel, every room I'm in, just happy to be here. So my name is Doug Weckenman and I pastor Red Rocks Church in Austin, Texas. This is my fourth time visiting your church. I promise you I'm not a summit stalker or Maybe I am, I don't know. I just, I love it here. I'm so honored to be here. God is doing something really, really cool in your church. And so can we, can we show some love to your fearless leaders, Pastor Scott and Jen Obremski? You guys are the real deal. You are so loved. And Scott, I wanna be you one day when I grow up. And that is the truth. And also a great segue into the verse that I'm about to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. This is the Apostle Paul, and he says this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought, and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. So I believe with all my heart that God wants to do immeasurably more in your life and through your life. I hope that you believe that. I'll cite my source, it's the word of God. Just go see Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. But I also believe that you can limit the more that God wants to do. This is a human thing, by the way, that God is never the limiting factor. He's not the limiting factor in our nation. He's not the limiting factor in our church. He's not the limiting factor in your life. You are, I am, we are. And Paul, in this verse, is speaking to owning that and leveling up because until I do, I will never walk in the fullness of what God has for me. So today, church, I wanna preach a really just practical message about ownership and I wanna call this, if you're taking notes, level up. And in case you miss all of this, here's the sermon in one sentence, okay? The more you level up, the less you limit God. The more you level up, the less you limit God. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us. God, speak to us, amen. <laughs> it was spiritual enough, I promise you, he heard it. He's about to speak. You are not here by coincidence. Let me just remind you of that, that God did not accidentally make you and Jesus did not accidentally die for you. So lean in today like it's on purpose, like the creator of the universe wants to meet with you right now. Sound good? All right, well, I've always been an adrenaline junkie. I know I look it. Okay, and, and when I was a kid, I... Uh, 
It's gonna be like that, huh? When I was a kid, I was obsessed with roller coasters, and I mean that, obsessed. We lived right down the highway from Six Flags, Magic Mountain in Valencia, California. To this day, I can still tell you the stats of most of those roller coasters. I had posters of those roller coasters on my walls in my room. If you were to ask little Doug Weckenman, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I would have said, a roller coaster, until I learned that's not, in fact, a thing that you can be, and I changed it to a roller coaster designer, right? I was just obsessed. And I will never forget the day that I finally hit 48 inches in height. Now, how many know what happens when you hit 48 inches? You're tall enough to ride, baby, all right? And that was a big deal for me because I was the last of my group of friends in fifth grade to hit 48 inches. Uh, I've always been a bit of a late bloomer. Even in, in high school, I was the last to hit puberty, which means I was the token, friend-zoned, cute little brother of all the, the girls I had crushes on who never took me serious, and I'm still healing. Life's a journey, don't judge me. But I remember, I remember when I hit 48 inches in height and I realized my life will never ever be the same again. And I have a picture of 10-year-old Doug, four foot nothing. That is Six Flags Magic Mountain. And what you see behind me is the Goliath roller coaster. Somebody say, ooh. Okay, the Goliath roller coaster came out in February of the year Y2K. Now that's code for the year 2000. Remember when we all thought the world was gonna end? Man, how crazy were we to think that? Um, that roller coaster came out the same week that I hit four feet. And so my dad took me and my little brother Ryan on a school day, that's a good dad move, to Magic Mountain. So we beat all the lines, and uh, I I'm not kidding you, I think I rode the Goliath probably seven times before 9 a.m. And I still remember all the stats. So the Goliath broke records when it first came out, featuring a 255-foot drop almost straight down. You top out at 85 miles an hour and plunge into a tunnel, featuring a double helix turn where you experience 4.5 Gs for six consecutive seconds. I mean, seven times before 9 a.m. church, I cannot stress to you enough how much I could not do that today. As a 33-year-old man, I am in a different season of life. Um, I now, uh, I hurt myself sleeping now, okay? True story, my neck is killing me today uh, because two days ago I slept wrong. So just to clarify, didn't go bungee jumping, didn't ride a bowl, didn't even play bocce ball or golf. I turned my head wrong on my memory foam pillow and now I'm injured. So that's my... That's cool, that's where I'm at right now. Um, I, was, I was with my brother Ryan, we were driving on the highway past, uh, past Six Flags a few months ago, and from the highway we saw a roller coaster called the Twister, which was built about five decades ago, this, this wooden, rickety, wobbly roller coaster. I swear, even from the highway, you could see the loose screws popping out of the <laughs> splintered beams. And I remember telling my brother, and I quote, I said, bro, you couldn't pay me $1,000 to go on that today, to wait in line for 90 minutes. Also, I could have a, a high 17-year-old kid strap me into this machine that might kill me. And what's your reward for that? Oh, here's a three-year headache. Yeah, right, like you couldn't pay me to get on that today, but man, when I hit 48 inches of, in height when I was 10 years old, I knew nothing about life will ever be the same again. I have officially leveled up in every way possible. So in the spirit of summer at Summit Park, I wanna give you today six ways to level up. Once again, I just believe the more you level up, the less you limit God. 
So here's the thing. I, I believe God's gonna speak one of these things to you. Like if you're really feeling it and you feel like being an overachiever, maybe two, but not three. One or two of these six ways to level up. Sound good? Are you ready? Yes. You promise? Yes. All right. Number one, level up your thoughts. Romans chapter 12, verse two says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So my first takeaway, God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. And the more you level up your thoughts, the more you will start to see it. Because church, everything begins right here in the six inches of space between your ears with the renewing of your mind. It is a scientific fact that you can think yourself sick. This is why placebos work. It is a spiritual fact that you can think yourself out of all the callings God has for your life. It's a common story. It happens all the time. Craig Rochelle says your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you don't like your life, it's time to change the way you think because you are who you are today because of your thoughts yesterday and you will be who you are tomorrow because of your thoughts today. And so my one question for you, what is the number one mindset holding you back from the more God has for you? Are you afraid of conflict? I'm just preaching from experience here. Because if so, then it might be time to change the connotation of confrontation in your mind. It might be time to level up your thoughts to see conflict actually as iron sharpening iron to make you better and everybody else around you that your passivity is doing nobody any favors. If you are paralyzed by insecurity, this might be your week, your moment. It might be your time to finally say enough is enough and claim the confidence that is rightfully yours by the blood of Jesus Christ by speaking the truth about who God says you are, that I am a masterpiece, that my maker made no mistakes when he made me, and I'll speak it over my life until I begin to activate it within my life, amen? Leveling up your your thoughts, I'm not gifted enough, I'm not pretty enough, I, I, I don't have what it takes. You wanna hear mine right now? I'm not a good enough leader to do what God has called me to do. Oh, what time is it? It's time to level that thought up to something called the truth. What is truth? Truth is that thing that's still true even when you don't feel it. As Christians, as maturing Christians, we know that we, we live by what is true regardless of how we feel. This is part of putting those childish patterns that Paul talked about behind us, that I'm learning to live by what is true. Truth is still true even when you disagree with it, that if he called you, then he will qualify you. And if he, if he sends you, then he's gonna go with you. And no, you're not what happened to you. And yes, you do have what it takes. And no, you're not what your critics say you are. You are who God says you are. This is truth. So how do you do that on a practical level? It's actually very simple if you apply it. What you do is you take one destructive thought pattern you write it down, and then you rewrite it the way God would say it, and then you think it and speak it until you believe it. You think it and speak it until you believe it. I am where I am because God has placed me here. I am made on purpose for a purpose. I am a good leader. 
I am a good dad. I am a, a good husband. I am saved by grace. And even in my bad weeks when I falter, I'm not better at sinning than Jesus is at saving. He's got me. I am a follower of Jesus and this world will be better because I gave my life to follow him. I'm telling my future what the word of God happens to say about my future. He's got a will for my life. It is good, pleasing, and perfect. And the more I level up my thoughts and renew my mind, the more I begin to see it and believe it and know who I am. Actions follow identity. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Amen? That might be yours. It might be time to level up your thoughts. Number two, level up your health. So I'm just going to be really bold and say this. I think we need to stop seeing every problem as a spiritual problem. It might not be the devil, it might be you, all right? Now, I'm not vouching for him. Satan is an insecure, narcissistic jerk who, for whatever reason, is obsessed with destroying your life. I'm just saying he's also an overused scapegoat who gets way too much credit. Now, did the devil do it, or did, did you just do it because you were emotional, or lazy, or, or tired, right? I mean, somebody, like, say amen like I'm not talking about you. Like, that's right, pastor. You tell them. You tell them the truth, pastor. Was it the devil, or were you just hangry? I mean, at some point, it's like when you're a teenager and you, you shift the blame and the responsibility and say, oh, I, man, I, I missed my shift today and I got fired because my dumb dad forgot to wake me up for work. Oh, is that, was that your dad's fault, or should you have taken ownership and gotten yourself up. Paul says, no, I'm, I'm putting away these childish patterns because until I own it, God can't change it. And of course, a lot of stuff is spiritual warfare. A lot of stuff is the devil. But just for today, hear my heart, blaming the devil is the fastest way to stay stuck where you are for the rest of your life. And it might be time to own that and level up your health. So why say health in church? Pastor, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual principalities in a realm that we can't see. Like, yes, but you are more effective in the supernatural when you take care of yourself in the natural, and you're gonna find yourself under more attack and facing greater unnecessary resistance spiritually just because your body and mind don't feel good physically. I wanna draw your attention to one Hebrew word, the word for soul in the Old Testament, the word nefesh. Look how all-encompassing and big this word is. Nefesh is your soul, all of you, spiritual and physical. So wait, is that like my mind, my body, my spirit? Yes, yes. Now you're getting it. It's everything that makes you you. It's all connected. Your mind, your body, and spirit work together and affect each other. To Jesus, your body is part of who you are, not a prison in which you are stuck. So maybe it's time to level up and take ownership. Like maybe for you, leveling up your health means a 20-minute walk every evening, leaving your phone at home. Maybe it means, like for real this time though, changing a little bit of what I eat because what you eat, for better or for worse, affects your emotions and your serotonin, 85% of it, that chemical that makes you feel alive and active and healthy and happy, 85% of it comes from your gut. 
in the spirit of full transparency, this is, this is one of mine right now. I've had to change so much of what I eat over the last two years because my gut, my stomach is so messed up from years of chronic pain, medication, and processed food. And I'll tell you what I don't need. I don't need my mind and my body feeling unhappy and foggy and tired and sick to make my calling harder than it already is. The more you level up, the less you limit God. For some of you, maybe it's time to cut down or cut out caffeine because it makes you anxious and you're straight up addicted. Oh my gosh, I'm talking to me, but let's pretend I'm talking about you just for a moment, just right now. Maybe for you, it's I need to get outside even for a little bit every day. Five minutes of sunshine makes you happier. Being outside makes you more energetic. It's that vitamin D magic. God designed it that way. Take it from a guy who has struggled with anxiety for nine years. Your anxiety or depression absolutely is spiritual and, chemi and chemical, 100%. However, it's also, it's also practical. So I'll say it this way. For me, the, the mornings I wake up before my kids and exercise, I actually am less anxious on those days, which means on those days I experience God more. And I see him more at work in my life. So maybe it's time to start that gym membership once again, right? I'm in training. And by the way, I used to hate when people called going to the gym training. I hated that. Bro, can you hang out? Oh, no, I'm, I'm training. Oh, are you running a marathon? No. Are you going to the Olympics? Are you in the NFL? No. Okay, then don't call your bicep curls training, bro. You're not training, you're bench pressing. It's useful for nothing unless you're on your back on the ground and a fridge falls on top of you and you need to push it off. Like that's all, stop calling it training. But then a few months ago, I, I changed my mind on that and I realized, you know what, I actually am. I am training. I'm training to be a, an energetic and healthy dad who can take his kids to the park after a long day of work. I'm training to be a pastor who can show up week after week and give his best and not burn out one day. I'm training to be a follower of Jesus who is ready and expectant and awake for whatever opportunities God brings my way today. Christian, your body is a temple of the spirit of the living God. Your body is the vessel through which your soul shows up to the world as a follower of Jesus who does not just live saved, but lives called. And yeah, there's a difference between those two things. And you're more effective in the supernatural when you take care of yourself in the physical. The more you level up, the less you limit God. It's probably a small group. I'm in this group, but this might be yours. It might be time to level up your health. All right, let's keep going. Number three, level up your rhythm, rhythm. So life is about rhythm. You can handle any season or schedule if you have the right rhythm. Ask any professional juggler. Will Ferrell's character, D'Angelo Vickers in the office, ask him. <laughs> Juggling seven pins is just as doable as six if you know the right pattern. You need to define your season so you can determine your rhythm because how many know having two kids requires a different rhythm than having one? And the rhythm that got you here won't be the rhythm that also gets you there. One of the reasons I love Jesus, he is the rhythm master. God wants to be the divine rhythm section of your life. He is not here to unbusy your life. The news is better than that. Jesus is here to unhurry your soul. 
by offering you something called a yoke, which he describes in Matthew 11, 29 and 30. I just, I feel like I'm at this spa when I read this. This is Jesus, red letters in your Bible. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Somebody say, this is a yoke that he offers. So a yoke is a work instrument. It was a common tool back in Jesus' day, this wooden cross piece that got fastened over the necks of two oxen pulling one plow. It allowed them to walk in step and work in sync, just like the boy band. Theology's easy, in sync. So like Lance Bass and Justin Timberlake, yeah, you're getting it, you're getting it. Walk in sync, this is his yoke. So when Jesus offers a yoke, usually I hear that and go, whoa, whoa, wait a second, Jesus. That's, that's the last thing in already exhausted Christian needs. I don't need a tool from you right now. I need a strong drink right now. Like, I don't need you to add another thing to my to-do list. I need a day at the spa. I need a vacation, right? But Jesus is not here to be just another thing on your to-do list. He is not a supplement. He is a savior here to bring rhythm to your to-do list, which is why he does not offer an escape, but rather equipment, a yoke to link your life and your pace and your rhythm to his, to walk with him and work with him and watch how he does it, learning the unforced rhythms of grace where I believe you accomplish more with less effort and more time left over. It's just that in order to do that, I know this is the the US of A in 2021, a lot of us, probably 98% of us in these rooms need to start saying no to more stuff, to good things, by the way. If you don't say no to good things, those good things will invade your schedule and start to take the place of great things and people because what's urgent tends to be louder than what's important. So if you're trying to level up your rhythm, you need to define for yourself what is important because if you don't define that, somebody else will for you and what's urgent for them will crowd out what is important to you. So can I just give you permission to say no? Like permission to to be human? Can we let each other off the hook too? permission to your friends to say no to you, permission to say no and be human in a world that requires machines, permission to say no and be healthy in a world, in a busy world full of wildly unhealthy people and energizer bunnies, permission to say no, permission to sleep more at night, amen, because sleep is spiritual. Sometimes you need to come to the church where the guest pastor will say, hey, sleep more, you guys. We don't always have to be so theological in church like the statue of Nebuchadnezzar was erected at 97 cubits in height. No, try this. Sleep more at night, you guys. It's spiritual. And I'm preaching this hoping I'm gonna go start actually practicing it. And no, I'm not telling you to stop watching all your episodes at night because I think there can be something spiritual about that too and rest. I'm just saying maybe, maybe watch one less every night because it might not be spiritual warfare. You might just be exhausted. Like was it the devil or is, does this sound more accurate for real? Well, I woke up in a bad way because of the night before and stress out all day long. I, I never pray about anything. I worry about everything and I call that prayer. 
I don't eat vitamins or veggies. I eat for convenience. I, I drink caffeine after four. I eat sugar after eight. I stay up late watching a couple more episodes where I get in bed and then scroll on Instagram so my mind is discontent and my body is restless and tossing and turning all night. And for that reason, the devil made me sleep through my alarm and now I'm too tired to follow Jesus. It's spiritual warfare. Is it? Is it? Or does your rhythm stink? I'm coming for you. I'm coming for me, for all of us right now. You might need to level up your rhythm, you guys. My calling is too critical. My life is too important. God has given you dominion over creation. This goes all the way back to Genesis 1 and the Garden of Eden. It's the Hebrew word radah. It's the language of royalty. You are partnering in reigning and ruling over creation with God, having dominion over creation. You want to know what creation consists of? Time. Do you have dominion over it? Or does it have dominion over you? I mean, I can say this, and, and now with, with a little bit more street cred because I have two kids under two and a church plant under three, I think you have time. I just think you don't have dominion over it. In which case, it might be time to put that pattern to rest and level up your rhythm, amen? The unforced rhythms of grace are here, and a lot of us need that right now. Okay, we gotta keep going. Level up your integrity, number four. If God has a favorite of these six, by the way, it's this one. Level up your integrity. Talent might take you far, but only character will keep you there. In a world that is obsessed with the projected image, God is obsessed with your substance, what you do when nobody's looking, who you really are. If your character isn't strengthening, your future is weakening. This won't be on the screen, but Proverbs 10.9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Just a friendly reminder not to let your influence outgrow your integrity. So let me just cut to the chase, and the first practical step to leveling up your integrity is, is confession. Now, that's a Christian cuss word. Some of you just heard beep when I said confession. It's a Christian cuss word in our day and age, but it shouldn't be, because James says, confess your stuff, and you will be healed. In other words, this is for you. It's not even for God. It's for you. This is about your freedom. You can have secrets, or you can have freedom, but you can't have both. This is about, confession is, by the way, you letting you off the hook. So tell your stuff to somebody. Everybody doesn't have to know it. Somebody needs to. For your sake, somebody needs to because your isolation is Satan's playground. So bring it out of the dark and into the light where it loses all of its power. Integrity does not require you to be right. It just requires you to be real that's it, and we are all imperfect people pursuing a perfect God unless anybody in here had communion for breakfast and then floated into church today. I didn't think so, which means all of us are in this together, imperfect people. God's not looking for your perfection. And right now, I think what we, would, what we need to see is a generation of Christians committed to shrinking the gap between who they are publicly and who they are privately. Why? Because we've got a generation of kids coming up behind us who are watching really close. I see this in my two-year-old already, and maybe they can admire your image. Can they model your substance? 
I don't know if this is prophetic. I think it is. But I just believe the Holy Spirit is searching the world right now, not for those with influence, but, but for those, but for the hearts that he can trust. And once again, God's not looking for perfection. Jesus did that. But can he trust your heart? The fastest way to experience the more that God wants to do in you and through you is lift the lid, raise the roof, whatever alliteration you prefer, lift the ceiling and level up your integrity. Okay, let's keep going. Two more. Number five, level up your vert, your vert. I'm gonna explain that. So I worked so hard on my vert in high school because one of my greatest ambitions as a five foot 10 white guy was to dunk a basketball. And so squats and calf races, calf raises all day, every day, which clearly worked. <laughs> Shut up. And while that dream was never realized, I did, I did one day, I dunked a golf ball one day. That was the best I got. And uh, Ryan, it was a Titleist Pro V1. Um, so while my days of trying to level up my physical vert are behind me, my days of leveling up my spiritual vert, you see what I did there, are just getting started. Now, you might be asking, well, what's a spiritual vert? I'm so glad you asked. It's a, it's a term that I coined two days ago. Your spiritual vert is the ease with which you fix your eyes on things above. It comes naturally to nobody. It is your cultivated ability to worship easily and daily incline your heart vertically to God your heart, your responsibility. Take ownership of it, like David did. All throughout the Psalms, you'll hear David say stuff like, I am inclining my heart in a vertical direction towards God. I did not wake up this way this morning. I had to very on purpose incline my heart to the things of heaven. You remember that rotisserie chicken oven infomercial? Set it and Forget it. I've read that that's the most effective infomercial tagline in history. I wish that was the case for your heart, but it's not. You cannot set your heart and then forget about it and, put, and, and, and shift into cruise control. More like I heard a pastor say, set it and then check it and then, and then set it again and then reset it and then check it again and then set it again every single day, a few times every day. I didn't wake up this way this morning, but I don't live by my feelings. I live by what I know to be true. And so daily I am inclining my heart vertically to the things above, to the things of heaven because we live our lives horizontally, do we not? This is 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 19, that we love horizontally because he first loved us, that we received his love vertically. And so my life plays out on this plane right here, on this axis horizontally, my day-to-day, -day, from my grocery shopping to my relationships to my dream to my, to my calling, all of this. But my salvation is received vertically. This amazing grace that has changed my life, these mercies that are new every single morning, are received vertically, which is why I need to incline my heart to them every single morning and talk myself into it whether I feel it or not. The peace that transcends all understanding is received vertically. This joy that survives even the most challenging seasons and scenarios is received vertically. The power that comes from above to walk in abundant life, even when things are hard, even in a pandemic, is received vertically. You can't get it from the world, you guys. You gotta get it from him. And that means I have a power and a peace and a joy and a grace the world did not give me. And if the world didn't give it to me, 
then that means the world can't take it away. No season, no circumstance, no pandemic can take this from me because I've received it from heaven because I'm working on my spiritual vert. Incline your heart on purpose. This doesn't happen on accident. And nobody is just born good at this. Your cultivated ability to worship easily. You might need to level up your spiritual vert. This is why worship is so important. I fight my battles horizontally because I worship and receive power vertically. Okay, last one. Level up your expectations or expectancy or faith. That's what the Bible would call it. God loves it, by the way. And Hebrews 11 says it's actually impossible to please him without it. Jesus said, if you believe, if you expect it, you will see the glories of God. In other words, your salvation in heaven forever is completely free. But if you want to live a good story full of miracles and moments where you see God just flex his muscles and show off and come through and you see him do exceedingly more than you ever thought possible, then according to Jesus, you need to expect to see it. You need to believe it before you see it. Now, here's the cool thing. Our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is in him. So Jesus is not asking you to level up your expectancy by uh, mustering more faith. I've tried. It's impossible. It just gives you a headache. He said, all you have to do is believe in the one who believes, and that's him. In other words, if you can take just that mustard seed of expectation that mustard seed of faith that you have and attach it to him, then his belief will carry you. He is a mountain moving God and just one touch of his robe is all you need to see God do immeasurably more in your life than you even had faith he could do in the first place. And so fight the temptation of cynicism. Fight the temptation of getting your hopes and your expectations down, especially at the tail end of a very long 18 months where you've kind of been trained to be pessimistic about the future. Christian, you need to fight that. You need to level up your expectations and believe the best is yet to come. Believe in the future of the church. Believe in the next generation. I believe with all my heart, being old is not an age, it's a spirit thing. And the reason you're drawn to Summit Park Church or just the kingdom of God is because you have a very youthful spirit. It's the day that you start blaming the younger generations for the problems in the world. That's the day you're old. But we don't have any old people in Summit Park Church because we believe in the next generation. We celebrate and champion them. We cultivate the best out of them. We believe the best is yet to come for the church, amen? You might need to level up your expectations. So thoughts, health, rhythm, integrity, vert, expectations. Not sure if you caught on to that, but it's actually an acronym. It spells thrive. It is good. Yeah. <laughs> See, only preachers really care about this. Preachers and then, and then you. I'm preaching to you right now. Because I worked hard on that. Because I believe it's possible, actually God's will to to thrive and not just survive regardless of the season or the circumstance that you're walking in. It just takes ownership. It takes ownership. I wanna level up individually. It takes shifting out of neutral 
and very on purpose, seeing the vision of what God has for you and making that your trajectory. And as we do that individually as Christians, the church becomes corporately a force to be reckoned with, amen? And my goodness, does our world need that? Will you guys stand up? We're gonna finish right here. Apollo 13 was called the successful failure because they never made it to the moon, but they got all three astronauts back safe, despite the fact that half the spaceship exploded in space on day three of a seven-day journey. If you haven't seen the movie, that's your homework this week. I get goosebumps just talking about it, but towards the end of the movie, the command module is about to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere. This is the climax. This is where they find out, is this gonna work or is this not gonna work? And in Houston, at the command center, there are two guys having a conversation about all the problems and everything that could possibly go wrong. Saying stuff like, oh, the heat shield is cracked. Oh, the parachutes are three blocks of ice. They haven't been heated in space in days. Oh, the trajectory is off. Oh, there's a typhoon warning where they're trying to re-enter. And then one of them says, and I quote, this will be the worst disaster NASA has ever experienced. What they don't know is that right behind them is a man named Gene Kranz, who's the flight director, the boss. He overhears them and then he very calmly says, with all due respect, gentlemen, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Like I said, I just get goosebumps when I talk about it. Because I think it's tempting right now to look at our cultural moment look at the, the state of our world or, or our country or the church and all the statistics and read all the articles and, and just be tempted to see all the problems and everything that is going wrong or could go wrong and just, man, look at the fact that a million young adults are walking away from their faith, their freshman year of college, when one professor who doesn't even know their name just says one thing and it pulls the rug out from beneath them. Look at, look at the fact that, that the church is in decline in the United States and look at the fact, look at the rise of the nuns and the group of people that want zero religious affiliation whatsoever and look at the, look at what social media is doing and look at the loneliness epidemic and look at the decline of morality and look at the second wave of angry atheism and look at anxiety and depression and suicide stats and look at the, the very fact that faith is at a decline in our country right now. This could be the worst era, the worst disaster the church in the U.S. has ever experienced and can I just say with all due respect I believe with all my heart this coming decade is going to be our finest hour with all my heart I believe that the church in the United States I believe we are walking into our finest hour as a church I believe that with all my heart I love our cultural moment I love I, I'm, I'm optimistic about the future of the church I love the next generation I love the field that God has given us that is ripe for harvest right now, right in front of our faces. I love this moment. One of my greatest pet peeves is when well-meaning Christians will come up to me and say, I fear for the world your kids are gonna have to grow up in. And while I get it, I do get it, I also wanna say with all due respect, 
I believe my kids are gonna grow up in the church during her finest hour with all my heart because we are no longer the majority, you guys. We have been marginalized and pushed to the fringes, but historically, can I just remind you, that's when the church is at her best. That's when Christians wake up and level up and take ownership and come alive. And when we do that individually, the church becomes a force to be reckoned with corporately amen so jesus we love you so much and as we spend some time just worshiping and singing and praising vertically i pray that you would embolden us i pray that you would speak to a specific way you are calling us to level up whether that be in our thoughts or in our health or in our rhythm or our integrity or in our spiritual vert or in our expectations and faith god would you speak that to us and would you challenge us to step into the more that you have for us whatever that might be whatever the next steps are god it's so worth it jesus you are so worth it you are the only answer the only solution to the broken human heart to this unquenchable insatiable desire for more that all of us have and are so desperate to fill jesus would you raise up the church like an army as agents of invitation to go and say, come and see, come and experience what God actually thinks about you. Raise us up, level us up, challenge us to take ownership. We love you so much. You have no rival and no equal, no beginning and no end, and you placed us as Christians in 2021 for a reason, and we thank you. What an honor and what an opportunity it is to be the church in this era. We love you, and we pray this in the powerful, beautiful, and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout, amen. amen. Summit Park Church at all of our locations, let's worship.